This sermon was recorded Sunday, April 19th, 2020. Pastor Bobby Wood goes through the story of Lazarus, discussing the obstacles to faith and what it means to have resurrection faith. Faith is what I want to talk about this morning. And if you have your Bibles with you, I want to give you a minute to open them up to St. John chapter 11. St. John chapter 11. I want to talk to you this morning and offer you just a little challenge concerning what I want to call resurrection faith. I'm not talking about just everyday faith. I'm talking about resurrection faith. I'm talking about a faith that goes beyond where we are, the kind of faith that, that moves mountains. Uh, for example, take prayer. You know, when we pray over our meal, we're, you know, we're grace, you know, grateful and we thank the Lord and it's a prayer over our meal. But then there's the kind of praying where you're just alone and, and, and you just, you're seeking God for some great need or you're praying for somebody that you love and, and you pour your heart into it. And the, the, those are different kinds of prayers. And so faith is the same way. I mean, we go every day, and, and our trust is in the Lord, but sometimes there's a faith that actually gets something huge done in our lives. And that's what I want to talk about this morning, resurrection faith. And we're going to use St. John chapter 11. Now, let me just, there's, there's 45 verses in this, in this event. So let me just summarize with you. It's a familiar passage. It's the raising of Lazarus from the dead. Jesus visited Lazarus, Mary, and Martha very often. And they were very close. Jesus loved them immensely. Lazarus had gotten sick. They reported this to Jesus, sent someone to the Lord Jesus to tell him that the guy he loved so much was sick. And Jesus didn't do anything. He, he stuck around where he was for two days. Matter of fact, it was four days before he, he had, he'd gotten to their house. And in these four days, um, Lazarus' sickness had turned to death. And Jesus, Jesus was in control of this. And this is what I want you to see in, in just a minute, okay? And so Jesus takes his time, he heads that way, and he's met with broken hearts and tears and weeping and sorrow and unbelief. And then Jesus arrives. And Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. But if you have your Bible with you, I want you to look with me at verse number 40 because this is the goal of the whole event of raising Lazarus from the dead. Jesus is after something. He's, he's after uh, their faith because you see at the beginning Jesus told them, he said this sickness is not in the dead but it's for the glory of God. It's for their faith. Friend, before I read the verse, let me say to you, the most important thing in God's eyes concerning us is our faith. 
The Bible says in Hebrews 11, 6, without faith, it is impossible to please the Lord. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 1, and verse 7, that the very trial of our faith is more precious to God than gold. God loves faith. And everything that God orchestrates in our lives is to increase our trust and our faith in Him. And, you know, I'm not going to get into it, but the situation we're in today is, is a great proof that right now there's two classes of people. There are those living by fear, and there are those living by faith. And my dear friend, I want you to know today that God is after your faith. He loves to be believed. Now, I want you to look with me at verse number 40. Martha had just said to Jesus when he said, take the stone away. Martha just said, Lord, he's been dead four days, and he, you know, he stinks by now. And listen to what Jesus says in verse 40. Jesus said to her, said I not unto thee, that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God. Now, friend, notice, first of all, the order of faith. The world says, when I see it, I'll believe it. Friend, if you're waiting to see heaven before you believe there's a heaven, you'll never see heaven. If you're waiting to see Jesus before you believe in him, then it'll be too late when you see him. And you see, God's order is believe it and you'll see it. That's the divine order of faith. And so many, oh my goodness, so many blessings are missed in our lives, in our churches, in our prayers, because we lack the faith to believe it when we cannot see it. And friend, I want to tell you something. Let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. Wouldn't you love to see the glory of God manifested in your life today? Maybe, maybe you have a need. Maybe you have a decision. Maybe you have someone that you love that's either unsaved or out of the will of God. I don't know what it is, but I want to tell you something about God. God loves to manifest His glory in our lives. That's the whole, that's the, the ultimate goal of life is the glory of God. 1 Corinthians 10 says, whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, whatsoever you do, do it all to the glory of God. Friend, I don't know about you, but I'm just so longing in my heart. Oh my goodness, last Sunday we celebrated the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The tomb is empty. Jesus is alive. He, he is he's the ultimate overcomer, King of kings and Lord of lords. And because of that, we're more than conquerors. The Bible says God causes us to triumph always through the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. And But I want to tell you something, friend. The tragedy of the hour is like the, the very day that Jesus came up out of the grave. Do you remember? Nobody believed it. 
Here Jesus is alive. The, the devil's been crushed. The greatest thing in time has happened. The Lord Jesus died and come up out of the grave and nobody believed it. Just like the two guys headed to Emmaus with their heads down and their countenance was sad. And they said, oh man, we just thought this guy was the Messiah. We thought he was the one we were looking for. And there they go with sad faces, no joy, no power because of no faith. And then they meet up with the disciples. The disciples, here they sit, downcast, full of doubt, full of unbelief, no enthusiasm, no joy whatsoever. Just like Thomas, who said, well, I'm not going to believe it till I see the scars in his hands and feet. And so here you have this, this great majestic event, the Lord Jesus Christ alive, and nobody's believing it. And if you're not believing it, you're not excited about it, and you're not telling it. And that's what I'm trying to convey to you today, friends, uh, that, that Easter is not something in a past. Jesus lives today. And because of that, our faith in Him should be so dynamic and so vibrant. And that's the burden of my heart this morning. And I want to bring this to you where you live. I know that you want to see God work in your life and in your church and in your family. But I want you to listen to what I'm going to say. There are miracles. There are big things, bigger than we can imagine, things that God can do and would do, but He's not going to do until we believe Him for them. One of the greatest men of faith, Manly Beasley. Manly Beasley, that man of faith. He said, believe it to be so when it's not so, so that it might be so. In other words, friend, God is going to move till you move. When the children of Israel came to the river Jordan and the banks were overflowing, God was going to open up the waters for them to reach the promised land. And you know what God said? God said, I'm not going to do anything till the leaders put their feet in the water of faith and trust me. And when those leaders stepped out in faith, God opened the waters. But he wasn't going to do it till they believed it. Oh, what, a, what an application there today for leaders in our churches. Uh, men, men of God who should be leading us with faith and power and enthusiasm tragically today. Many of them are sitting like the disciples and the men on the Emmaus road of unbelief. I'm going to tell you something, friend. God will honor your faith. And there is nothing impossible with the Lord. And I want to tell you, when you and I move, God will move. Let me give you an example of how God honors faith. When I was 14 years old, I went, I went forward in an old church house because I knew that I was lost. I knew that Jesus would save me. And I went up to ask the Lord to save me. And I was crying and I was begging. Because that's all I knew to do is just beg God to save me. And I begged and begged and begged till I couldn't beg anymore. I cried every tear I had. And here I stood just helpless and hopeless. 
And I had all this in my head. I knew I was at the right place. I knew I was doing the right thing. I'd been taught these things. But still, there was nothing happening. And nobody would help me. And here I was, 14 years old. And the Lord whispered to my heart these words. Oh, I know it was the Lord. And here's what came to my mind. 14 years old. Miserable. Here's what came to my mind. The Lord dropped a thought in my mind and he said, Young man, you don't have to beg, just believe. And, and uh, as soon as that hit my mind, I said, Thank you, Lord, for saving me. I spoke faith before anything happened, but as soon as I said, Thank you, Lord, for saving me. Glory to God. The Holy Spirit came inside of me, filled me up, gave me peace and joy. I jumped up on my feet and I embraced my father and I said, Dad, you don't have to pray anymore for me because the Lord had saved me. But friends, he didn't save me till I believed. And friend, that's God's divine order. And it's been the same way in my Christian life. Believe and thou shalt see the glory of God. Before I move on in this narrative, I'm going to ask you a question. Maybe sometime today you can get you a pen and a piece of paper. And I'm going to ask you a question right now in your life. What are you believing God for? Is there anything in your heart and mind right now that you need to start believing God for before it even happens. The order of faith, believing you'll see. Now I'd like for you to walk with me just real briefly and quickly through the narrative and I want to put before you the obstacles to faith. Now I'm going to tell you something, friend. Anything we're going to get from God, the devil's going to fight us after. Okay? That's just what he does. This is why Paul, at the end of his journey, said, I have fought the good fight of faith. And sometimes, brothers and sisters, we tend to forget that the faith we believe in that holds so dear is a fight of faith. As long as we live in this world where sin abounds, and increases and the devil is, is walking around seeking whom he may devour. Let me tell you something. Faith is going to be a fight. But it's a good fight. And, and remember this. Remember this. Faith is as good as what you put it in. We're going to let each other down. If you put faith right now, we have to trust people. We trust, trust the government. We trust the medical field. And, and we're trusting all these people. But I'm going to tell you in the end, if our faith is anchored in Jesus Christ, we cannot but win. Do you know why? Because he's never lost a battle. He's never made a mistake. He's never failed. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords. And my hope is built on nothing less and Jesus' blood and righteousness. And I want to I tell you, friend, if you're anchored in Christ, you are on solid ground this morning. Hallelujah. I want you to look with me. Let's just take a few of these in chapter 11. And I want you to go to verse number 4. And I'll try to be, try to be brief on these and encourage you to go back through them. Maybe the Spirit of the Lord 
will speak to you today. And may He just anoint us to deliver His Word today. Amen? And open our eyes. The first obstacle to faith is in verse 4. When Jesus heard that Lazarus was sick, He said, This sickness is not of death, but that the Son of God might be glorified. Now, I want to I take that word sickness. And there's a, there's, a, there's a misnomer out here today that just because uh, a Christian might get sick or might make a mistake or might fail or however you want to label it, that it's because they don't have faith. There's this misunderstanding in this world about faith and sickness. Now, friend, I'm going to tell you this morning. Let me say this. Faith doesn't necessarily eliminate problems. It always overcomes them. Let me give you an example. The three Hebrews that, that uh, Nebuchadnezzar was going to throw into the fiery furnace said it best. They said, we're going to tell you something, O king. We're not going to bow to your image and here's why. And here's what they said. They said, if God wants us to go into that fire and burn, we're going. Because we trust Him. And we know He's able to deliver us. Or we can go into the fire and not burn. They said it doesn't matter. Because God is God and we're trusting Him. What about Fanny Crosby? You ever, you ever read a song, that song, Blessed Assurance, Jesus is Mine? Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Visions of rapture now burst on my sight. That was, this woman was blind her whole life. But in her blindness, she saw things that we don't see with our eyes open. And she's blessed untold millions. Why? Because her faith did not eliminate her blindness. Her faith prevailed through her blindness. Faith doesn't mean God will deliver you from it. Faith means sometimes God will deliver you through it. That's, what, that's where faith grows. I tell you, there's a lady, there's a lot of preachers out here today on TV and radio. But there's a lady, when, I, when I'm on the road, named Johnny Erickson Todd. You might know her. She's been in a wheelchair for years. But I tell you that dear sister can bless me in five minutes of her love for the Lord and her spirit. And I'm going to tell you something. She prayed for healing. She prayed that God would make her well. But I want to tell you something. Her faith didn't eliminate her paralysis. But oh, her faith prevailed and she's blessed untold millions. Now, friend, you can sit in your pity party and we can sit with sad faces but I, or we can just say, you know what? I'm going to believe God and I'm going to turn this lemon into lemonade because my faith is in the Lord. Hallelujah. That's what Job said. Job said, if he kills me, I'll die trusting him. Hallelujah. Don't let your problem be the obstacle to your faith. Let me show you something else here in the text. In verse 6, it says, after Jesus got the news, he didn't do anything. He stayed where he was at and he waited on purpose for four days. 
And let me tell you something. One of the greatest obstacles to our faith is God's timing. And brothers and sisters, I, with many of you, have made a lot of blunders in life by trying to say, okay, God, where are you? You're not showing up. You're not doing anything. So we took things in their own hands. Oh, my. Remember Abraham and Sarah who got impatient on the Lord and, and, and Sarah had Abraham to go into her handmaid, Hagar, and then they brought forth this wild child, Ishmael, and we still fight his descendants today. Sometimes the delays of the Lord are obstacles to our faith, but friend, you be of good courage and you wait on the Lord and he'll show up. And let me tell you something, when he shows up, his timing is just right. Don't let God's delays and silence be a hindrance to your faith. Here's another one. Verse 8. His disciples said to him, Master, the Jews have sought to stone you. And you're going to go there again? Oh, wow, it's fear. Fear. And this is coming from his disciples. The men, the men that ought to be full of faith. The men that ought to be ready to say, okay, Lord, whatever you say, we're going to, we're going to do it. We're going to go. We're going to trust you. But no. No, they're, they're speaking the voice of fear. And they're telling Jesus, Lord, they've been trying to stone you there once and you're going to go back. Oh, wow. It's fear. And by the way, some of fear's uh, descendants are worry, stress, and all those anxieties and things that go with fear. And let me tell you something, friend. Fear is powerful. It is probably the most powerful tool the devil has to keep us from walking in dynamic resurrection faith. I think of a young pastor who was so zealous and on fire and anointed with the Holy Spirit. But every day of his life, he woke up knowing that he could lose his life. He was threatened. His name was Timothy. He was a super young man. But fear had took over his life. It, it had gotten to where his stomach, he, his nerves was getting shot. It was affecting him physically. And Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, writes to Timothy in, in 2 Timothy 1.7. And Paul says, Timothy, son, you get up. You fan the flame. You stir up the gift of God that's within you. You get it up on your feet and you start preaching the gospel again because God has not, God has not given you the spirit of fear but of power, love, and a sound mind. And I want to tell you something, friend. Fear will keep you from being all that you need to be for the Lord. And I'll tell you what, you just, you just got to trust God and God can take the ordinary and make you extraordinary. God can take the impossible and make it possible. But we've got to trust Him with all of our heart. And I want to tell you something, friend. The voice of fear, oh my goodness. It gets so old of listening to the voices of fear today. But I want to tell you something, friend. My life is in the hands of the Lord. My days are numbered, and I'm in my Father's hand, and no man can pluck me away, and I'm in the place of perfect security. And I thank God that I don't have to listen to fear, but I can listen to the Word of God. 
Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Fear is a big obstacle to our faith. Let me just give you a couple more. I want you to notice in the narrative, listen to these words. So Martha meets Jesus as he's coming. And she says in verse 21, Lord, if you would have been here, my brother had not died. But I know, even now, whatever you ask of God, he'll give it to you. Then Jesus says to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha says in verse 24, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection of the last day. Now I want you to listen to me right here, friends. <clears throat> Martha had all of, she was very orthodox, very knowledgeable. She knew the lordship of Jesus. She called him Lord. She knew the power of prayer. She said, you can ask anything, God will give it. She was well scriptured in the end of time. She said, I know a resurrection is coming in the last day and things will be okay. She had all this Bible knowledge. But she didn't have resurrection faith. Jesus responds, and you got to stay with me right here. I'm going to nail this point. Jesus says to Martha and to us, I am the resurrection and the life. Now I'm going to stop right there. I am means that God is always in the present tense. You see, Martha made the blunder like a lot of preachers make today, and I'm not picking on preachers. There's two giant mistakes made today concerning the resurrection. One is, oh yeah, that happened 2,000 years ago. Jesus come out of the grave. Hallelujah, good for those people who witnessed that. What a great day. And so we look at that as something that happened a long time. It's history. Or you can get on the bandwagon of a lot today who say, oh yeah, someday there's going to be a thousand year reign. Jesus is going to come. He's going to be on the earth for a thousand years and he's going to sit on the throne and he's going to reign. There's going to be a resurrection and a rapture and it's going to be just a great day. But where am I? Where's my generation? I got people in churches saying, oh, how good it used to be in churches, how they used to be full, how we used to baptize so many, how God used to move. Then I've got other voices telling me, Brother Bobby, you just chug the love along. You just sweat it out, man. Be strong. Endure. Because there's a great day coming and you'll be resurrected and everything will be just great, then. And so here I am. And I know people got me in the past, people in the present, but Jesus tells me, Bobby, I'm the I am now. I'm alive today, son. You can have victory today. Let me tell you something, friend. Read Revelation again. It's not just all futuristic. It is Jesus reigns today. The devil is defeated today. The church is victorious today. Today's the day. 
day of salvation. Today's the day of faith. My dear friend, don't tell me that my generation, that God is finished and God's not doing what He used to do. I will not believe that for one minute. I just had the privilege a few months ago of baptizing a 39-year-old man whose mother and father had cried and prayed for him and we had the privilege of baptizing him when he gave his life to Christ. God is alive. God is saving. God is healing. God is delivering. God is working. And I want to tell you something, friend. It ain't God who's on vacation. It's us who's on vacation. He just needs somebody to believe him. I want to tell you, this book, the Word of God, is alive. Hebrews 4.12 says it's alive. It's a living book. But I'm going to tell you, it's dead to you if you don't believe it. Jesus died, took your sin away, come up out of the grave, but he's dead to you if you don't believe it. Everything about God, everything spiritual has to be believed. And let me tell you the same thing about salvation. Salvation is free, available, ready. You can have everlasting life. But it's all dead to you until you believe it. Faith connects to God. Can I just be blind straight? Every single person that will be in heaven will have one thing in common. They're all there because they put their faith in God's dear Son, Jesus Christ. Every single person that ends up in the lake of fire has one thing in common. They all rejected God's dear son and would not believe him. I will stand with the army of faith. Well, let's, let's hurry and wrap up here. So be careful about all of your, your spiritual knowledge and Bible stuff and church stuff. You can get so churchy you don't even believe God anymore. I think we've lost the childlike spirit that Jesus just says it and we believe it. And we get we get too spiritual and dignified, and now we gotta figure everything out and we gotta formulize it and we got all this stuff. Just I mean, come on. I, I that's where the evolution theory and all the other theories of mankind comes about. They just simply can't figure out that God could just say it and it's done. Well, friend, I'm going to tell you something. I don't agree with their theories. I'm going to be a childlike. I'm going to be simple. You can laugh at me, call me ignorant old-fashioned, but I want to tell you something. The burden of proof ain't on us Christians to prove to this world that God is. The burden of proof is on them to prove that he's not. You know, before I go to the end of this narrative, do you know how heavy this was on Jesus' heart? Do you know in John eleven thirty five, it's the shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. It says before that verse, he groaned. It says after that verse, he groaned and he cried. Do you know why Jesus wept? Jesus didn't weep because he missed Lazarus. Jesus didn't weep because of some sentimental thing that he loved his family and he was hurting for them. Jesus knew he was about to raise him from the dead. 
Jesus hurt and cried because nobody would believe him. It was their lack of faith that broke his heart. This is why Jesus wept over Jerusalem. He did these miracles and teachings and he was their Messiah. He, he so proved himself as the Son of God. And he wept over Jerusalem and said, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often I would have gathered you under my wings. They wouldn't believe it. Let me tell you something, friend. I don't want to put no more tears in the eyes of Jesus by not trusting him. I want to put some tears of joy in heaven by believing God for great things. Here we find in verse 39, there are so many more obstacles to faith, but we've covered several of the major ones. And I want to come lastly in closing to the outcome of faith. See, when you believe God, you'll see His glory. Faith always works. Jesus says in verse 39, here's some uh, the irony of the narrative. The stone that kept Lazarus was sort of the smallest obstacle of all of them that we've been through. And Jesus says, you all remove that stone. The Bible says they took that stone away. Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. And I know that you hear me always because of the people which stand by. I said it that they might believe that you've sent me. Jesus cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. Now watch verse 44. He that was dead came forth. He was bound hand and foot with grave clothes. And his face was bound with a napkin. Jesus said to them, loose him and let him go. Friend, Lazarus is a picture of so many Christians today. He's out of the grave, but he's still in the grave clothes. He's alive, but he's not free. It's like letting a guy out of prison but keeping the ball and chain on his leg. And you know what? I may be speaking to many of you today. You're as saved as saved can be. Your sins are forgiven. Jesus is in your heart. The Holy Spirit lives in you and has sealed you to the day of redemption. You, have the, you can have all of God that you want. But I want to ask you today, are you still wrapped up and bound What's binding you? What's keeping you from full faith? What is it? You know, when Jesus said to the people, you all loose that man, let him go. You've stood in my way of your fear and your doubt and your tears and you've did everything possible to keep me from getting here. And Jesus said, now that I've brought him out, you're not going to keep this miracle from happening anymore. Jesus said, 
unwrap the man and let him go. And I want to tell you, friends, in my heart of hearts, that the church today needs to be out of her grave clothes, get in her grace clothes, and walk in the power of being set free by a resurrected Jesus. Hallelujah. Quit living in the past. Quit living in your failure. Quit living in impossibilities. But write something down that you want to believe God for. You say, well, Brother Bobby, as I close here, you say, Brother Bobby, maybe I'll ask God for something that, that, that I shouldn't. Let me tell you something, friend. Jesus said this whole miracle is for the glory of God. If God's glory is your heart's desire, then whatever you ask, you'll be safe. If He can be magnified and glorified through it, then pray it with faith. Believe it, confess it, speak it, pray it, sing it, whatever you have to do, because God is all about His glory. Faith, real faith, doesn't, isn't about me. It's not about us showing off. There is so much done today in churches and, and it just, just should make us sick. Do you know why heaven is heaven? Because it's all about Him. We'd have some more heaven here if we quit making it about our church reputation and our denomination and all of our stuff and magnifying who we are. But if we make it all about Jesus, we'd have some more heaven on earth. They ain't no clicks in glory. There's not any divisions in heaven. Because nobody's concerned about anybody except Jesus being hallelujah and magnified in worship. We'd see more of His glory here. Friend, you've been so patient. I want to ask you this morning. Who are you in this narrative as we close? Are you the disciples? Are you that church member that's speaking fear? You go, and you just go through the routines, you just ease your conscience, but there's no dynamic in you. Maybe you're with these sisters, and you know a lot of Bible verses and a lot of things, but there's no dynamic faith in you to believe Jesus for the impossible. Friend, I want to encourage you this morning with all my heart, be the person of faith. If you're lost, just trust Him. Trust Him. He is who He says He is. He can do what He says He can do. Believe Him. Trust Him. Say yes to Him. And my dear brothers and sisters in the Lord, you just keep walking in faith. Come on, be willing to step out of the boat. And see what God can do in your life. Hallelujah. Father, 
Oh, Father, show us your glory. Work in your people. Magnify your name through us. God, drop some person in our heart. Put somebody in our family, somebody we work with, that we can start believing you for their salvation. God, there's somebody that we love that needs deliverance, that needs healing. Lord, we, we, by your grace, will not listen to the devil and the voices of fear. We listen to you, Lord, who is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than we can ask or think. In Jesus' name, I love you in the Lord. God bless you all so much. Thank you for listening to this sermon from New Life Ministry. We pray that God has spoken to you through it. For more about New Life Ministry, including other sermons, videos, and service times, please visit our website at www.nlmky.org.